Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Morning, episode 21. Uh, I haven't got Lauren here today, so it's a very boring intro for everyone. I'm very sorry. Um, Keep this intro quite quick today because we've got a longer episode than normal because I tried to edit it down and uh, frankly it's all quite good. Uh, So it's, it's, uh, well, we usually record for about 35, 40 minutes, but uh, this week we just chatted for bloody ages, so sorry about that. Um, This week's guest is Dane Baptiste. Dane is a comedian and writer who was nominated for Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Comedy Awards in 2014. He's also appeared on Live at the Apollo, Mock the Week, Alan Davies as Yet Untitled, 8 Out of 10 Cats, uh, loads of stuff, just loads of stuff. Uh, And his new tour will be going around the UK in 2020, so you should probably go check that out. Uh, No, yeah, you should. Uh, Today, we talked to Dane about social media, equality, and using comedy to start new conversations. So it's good. It's a good episode. I liked it. Um, I've already listened to it. You haven't. You be the judge at the end of it. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, here is Lauren and myself talking to Dane Baptiste. Hello. Welcome to 
this week's episode of Conversations Against Living Miserably. This week we're joined by the comedian who has my mum's favourite joke. It's Dame Baptiste. Hi, hi. So sorry to all other comedians who've been on. You ain't got Jackie's top spot. Go. No. Put the work in. <laughs> Jackie's not, she's not an easy woman to please. She is not. She never she calls herself not. an expert, but she knows what she hates. <laughs> and she doesn't hate that joke, so I'm happy. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've seen you for a while. It's been a long time. My mum does ask after you more than she asks after me. Which is... <laughs> she, knows you're, she knows you're okay, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she raised you, so she's like, I can't, she's, she, she can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> not sure about that petal dane out there, though, yeah. in that cold, this cold world. <laughs> yeah, we did a, I did some tour support for Dane. And I think it's fair to say a very white crowd. It was a good crowd. The great crowd. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Bernard, Bernard were... Castle is in County Durham. I mean... Yeah. They That's were lovely, but they were yeah. so white. And uh, Dane had a joke about being like a cocoa pop in a bowl of Rice Krispies. And my mum just never stops quoting it. <laughs> never. <laughs> That's her favourite joke. That's she absolutely it. adored. But I have to tell her, like, maybe be careful how loudly you quote it in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone will have seen that show. Yeah. <laughs> so if my mum ever gets done for racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just know it was I'll from a love of comedy. I'll give I'll give a reference. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good for yeah. Good for Jackie to get a reference. No, no one can call me Dane. I'm in trouble. <laughs> can you imagine if that was like the real thing? What happens? Yeah. The racist people they're like and their friends are like, yeah, Jerome, you won't believe what happened again. <laughs> Terry, I've told you to stop going to the freaking pub <laughs> and sitting over there. <laughs> I've told you, you leave Gurpreet alone. He is not a Muslim. He wouldn't be in the pub. That's why, Tell. <laughs> That's why. I'm not doing this again. Jesus Christ. Just give me his number. Give me his number. <laughs> You've got like a hotline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every, every single time. Yeah. Uh, hello? Uh, no, no, not taking that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Avoiding that one. Yeah, not taking that. <laughs> Collect call from the Tory party. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We've got a backlog there. <laughs> Outrageous. Mm-hmm. What we always so like our first question yeah. is um when was the last time you felt calm? Oh, that's a good question. Um oh, it's it's rare. <laughs> it's uh you I'm can quite, always I'm quite, tell I'm quite, by I'm the pause it's a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm quite a neurotic person. Um but I feel, I feel like there's like there's loads of lots of windows and stuff and I feel quite calm. So I mean maybe stage I guess. Like during yeah. the gig and stuff, it's normally yeah. I feel like, uh, let me think, the last time I felt quite relaxed was this time, exactly last week on Monday, and I had a new bit of material, which was quite risque, uh, and uh, tried it out at a gig, and it worked. And it worked in a way I, w- I expected it to work, in that, like, it's it's uh, shocking, mm-hmm. but not offensive, and provocative, yeah. which is what you want, really. So, yeah, it's a, it's a joke about uh, trying to meet women with uh, cancer. <laughs> Right, yeah, you could see how that would, yeah. <laughs> My favourite thing about comedy is when comedians boil their bits down like that, yeah. just like a bullet point. Yeah. And you can always see people being like... Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, context, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's uh, it's a joke I'm trying to write where it's... Uh, yeah, I, I, I really feel like it's... I'm trying to be subversively uh, feminist with it, in that uh, I feel, um, you know, a woman who is a cancer survivor is going to be one of the strongest women you could actually approach. And, uh, you know, um, I just feel like, you know, 
you know, if you're dealing with a disease or you know, whether it's a disease or a disability that doesn't take away from your womanhood or your or your femininity or your uh, your beauty. So that's the idea of the joke is that like never stopped me before. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little, keep it, little bit of chem sex, chemo sex, whatever you're into, right? <laughs> so, but, but you've got to hear the rest of it. <laughs> But no, it's but it's genuinely is inspired by uh, women in my life who I know who are yeah. obviously yeah. one in two people uh, or one in three maybe one in two people with one form of cancer or another, and um, you know I think it's important for people to know that you know especially for dealing with like I guess it's like cervical cancer or like breast cancer which may necessitate like a mastectomy or a hysterectomy doesn't take away from your womanhood so that's the idea of the joke yeah yeah. But it's just, how the best way to explain that without being like, yeah, you can take chemo, you can take a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's true too. Yeah, that's true I think too. you should recall your next tour that name. That's a <laughs> that's a title. Yeah, no, no, I actually, I am actually, I actually uh, wanted to give it a go of maybe doing like half an hour just about like without mansplaining, but just about women's issues. But then, I, but I feel like, and the the, the rationale behind that is that I find. Um, where I, I mean, women, women in the comedy industry and, and comedians, when they are just and, and this won't necessarily be from like a particularly accusatory uh, position, just explaining women's issues and just explaining women in general because it's not a narrative we've been hearing for that long. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, when certain audiences hear particular buzzwords like mm-hmm. feminism, it, they get very scared because it's this, still this image of like an angry woman in Dr. Martin's and a lumberjack shirt. So people kind of shut down. And by the same token, it's like when if you I would like to think I'm an ally, but being an ally doesn't mean you say to women, I'm a feminist, too. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I'm a feminist. I've got a mum. Red flag. Right? Red flag. <laughs> what, what, what it is, is that with any kind of interest group is that you don't have to show your solidarity with them. What you need to be doing is people that are adverse to this group. This is who you're supposed to say yeah. it to. Yeah. So, this, so I'm working on stuff where it's like it's you can do it in a club and it could be like, you know, a row of stags. And you could explain, like, you know, a particular issue with gender politics, but mm-hmm. it's in a way that, like, people, well, when it's articulated a certain way, then people can understand it. Exactly. So even, like, going back to when we did the uh, gig together in, like, it's like County Durham, mm-hmm. like, very, very white. But at the same time, it's like everyone, you know, I guess art or comedy are dealing with consciousness or a stream of consciousness. So that doesn't have a race or a gender yeah. or, mm-hmm. or, you know, so you can, uh, yeah, so there's nothing I can, I can, I felt like I lost and people didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, why, why comedy has always been very effective, where uh, politics is like public speaking to divide people, where comedy is like honest politics where you can kind of unite people. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's always been the payoff is that the, the weirder, more absurd shit that people are maybe scared to say now out in public, if you can say it in a way that kind of relaxes everybody, that's kind of... Yeah. Definitely. ...being a comic, so... You're good that... at that because you're like, you're eloquent, you're smart and you're funny. So you're very good at. You think you think my Tinder would be banging, innit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think I think it's uh, the smartest thing you should be able to do, and as anybody is, uh, take what's a complex subject and make it easy for most people to understand. Yeah. And I think most people do understand these things. It's just the more they get caught up in all the jargon and all this crazy nomenclature, it's like people don't it, they become a lot more adverse to it. Yeah. So and 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 yeah, the more people get afraid to answer questions and stuff and the more that they they become a bit more repressed in that fashion. So yeah, I, I think I try to approach comedy in a smart way, but the smart thing to do is to take what are normally very very complex subjects or subjects where it's like they are obscured from the public in a way that like, you know, for all of the political turmoil we have now, a large part of it is that people still don't really understand how it works. Yep. And so 
I think the more you can take that and I guess and I think nowadays the most effective form of satire now is to be able to explain to the average person what their government is doing mm -hmm. and um, and how they can you know reclaim some of that control within a democracy yeah because that's what we're trying to do with this podcast as well because yeah. it's a mental health podcast which usually puts people off yeah of course because yeah. we're doing it with comedy and we're doing it yeah. in a fun stupid way exactly it's an accessible way to get information that you would never usually go out and find because you're not yeah. going to read a 3,000 word exactly. article on whatever medication you're on but if you hear someone talking about it in an earnest and honest way exactly. it just it sinks in and it's like any big subject I think comedy is such a brilliant place to bring those subjects yep. to the fore and just kind of be able to speak about them honestly like like two years ago uh, in Edinburgh mental health was ev like everyone was doing a show yeah. about mental health it was amazing because we'd never seen it before mm -hmm. and having so many especially for me like as a sufferer seeing people just talk about it openly and making jokes about it was incredible because yeah. it's just like it's an important thing and no one else was joking about it it's so serious well I mean it's to just I mean it's a cliche but it's uh, you know laughter is the best medicine yeah. and I feel like it's probably one of the first defense mechanisms we have to like rationalize any kind of trauma and that's why you know people say if you don't laugh you'll cry yep mm -hmm. so i mean obviously as a, as a black person all the time it's a cornerstone of being able to like rationalize and be able to deal with like institutional racism and stuff which is the, kind of the reason why when you'd see like what are regarded as like quite cliche comics is like the whole white people like black people be like that i mean that the, that originates from being like a rebuttal to where you'd see like you know racist propaganda everywhere like even though we are we all are like appalled by it now, like seeing Goddywogs and stuff on blackface, you know, maybe in the 60s, wasn't that out of place. So this stuff exists where so it's like, well, how can we have a voice back where we're not going to be represented in like media or news or politics? So comedy's been very effective in that, in the same way that like, you know, comics for, for women in, com in comedy as well, like it's always been historically feminist because, and for me, like I grew up with women and so it wasn't, this is not crazy at all for me and I wouldn't even think about it and that's maybe part of my privilege, but just for a lot of women on the stage, like some people are from, you know, cultures and backgrounds where like they're not women aren't even used to being able to dominate the conversation in the room for twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. Which to me is mad because I I grew up with women like my mum's got like six sisters and they were like all two two daughters each. So I was like the first boy in my family, so it's been women the whole time. But for, so so when it was like so for me it's like because I've got all of my predecessors have been women, like the first person I saw drive and drive cool was my older sister. Or fix a car, fix a tower was my sister. First people I saw to go to university was my was my my mum went to open university, my cousins going to university. So there's nothing where a guy'd be like, Well, women are doing this now and I'd, it'd be strange to me. Mm -hmm. So then when like I started doing comedy and people were like, Oh, women aren't funny, I'm like, what? <laughs> Have you met one? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and I, I say, if you think about it, like for most men, it, and it really is quite, it's very, it's, it's almost like, uh, yeah, a very disrespectful notion because. Yeah. For most men, the most when you're born, most of the time you spend during your primary education and your rearing is with your mother, most likely, and it's your mum's doing all the peekaboo and all this other stuff making you cry. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you laugh, sorry. So probably the first person that made you laugh was a woman, because mm -hmm. that's the person that's like you know probably like tickling you and making you laugh and keeping you entertained and stuff, because that's who you're bonding with more than anybody else. So the idea that women can't be funny when the, the first time you probably fucking smiled was at a woman. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how so how could that exist as a principle? So. Yeah, so again, it's like recognising that comedy is very effective in providing a narrative for, you know, the planet's majority who've never really had a chance to speak anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I always find it quite fascinating. So for me, it was fascinating. So it's not, and when it's not gratuitous, but any time, for me, jokes about, uh, you know, a woman talking about her body or femininity or being sex positive and seeing people recoil in horror. Like, mm -hmm. I laugh very loudly yeah. and obnoxiously yeah. because I'm like, 
how can men obsessively talk about sex and vaginas and stuff and then you're hearing about one from a direct account and now you're like oh my god pass me my fainting couch bleeding you say clutching the pearl yeah 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 I had one where I don't read the comments anymore but it was back in the stage when I was so desperate for validation that I was like, I'm going to read the comments. And someone had commented on a clip of mine and he was like, um, just once I'd love to hear a female comedian who doesn't talk about a vagina. And I sat and I thought, I don't think I do. I don't think I have yeah. a joke. And I listened back through and I'd made, I was wearing a sequin sparkly skirt and mm-hmm. I'd made a fleeting comment like, um, oh, me fanny looks like a disco ball or something. <laughs> like just a fleeting, I don't think I even usually used it in me set. And I was like, that in a six and a half minute set, that 10 second fleeting comment is what he's took offence to and I know you shouldn't reply but I did and I was like um, are you so offended at me mentioning my vagina because it reminds you how long it's been since you've seen one and uh, <laughs> he did not comment back yeah, exactly <laughs> but, this is, but this is a big part of it that, that, and that's what makes it worse is that like again I find that like massively patronising for men because it's like you did, first of all why shouldn't you not talk about it because yeah. odds are every other man's thinking about it anyway yeah <laughs> So, you know, so for you to be like, she's talking about her vagina, but yeah, but you were all thinking about it mm. in one yeah. way or another. But this is how we met. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> you were thinking about my vagina. No, <laughs> no. This oh. podcast taking a strange in fact, turn. I, said, I was like, no, but then I was like, there's probably at least 0. 0.7, <laughs> 0.74%. I'd be lying if it's 0.74%. But it's when you were doing Comedy Calf, uh-huh. doing a new act. And I think you were the only girl on the bill. Yeah. And you what? And you what did you I win? Won it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, I remember because I was like, she's better than everybody else. Yeah. Because you had something different to say. Yeah. And I was like, that was really good. But she was kind of like, like a, a weird creep, maybe. <laughs> but, but again, I understand. It's like you have, you have to be on, on as a, you have to be on guard, right? Because I was yeah. like, hey, hey, I'm a complete stranger. That was really good. <laughs> so you're like, thank you. Don't, don't kidnap me. <laughs> I'll make you a star, girl, in, yeah. in my van. <laughs> I said. I remember you're in short, like in London, don't really know anybody. And I'm like, why don't you come and sign these contracts in my, in my van with the tinted windows, girl? <laughs> yeah, you got potential. But I think it is that kind of like, it's just people want different stories now. We yeah. spend, especially with comedy and stuff, we spent so long hearing the same sort of narrative over yeah. and over again. And it's so refreshing to go to Edinburgh and just see as many different opinions about everything that you mm-hmm. possibly can. Um, yeah, because, yeah. Sorry, I know that was, that was just my yeah. point. That's it. Completely. Uh, I think no, it's, it's great, man. I think it's a. Uh, I think uh, now that we are doing a lot more observation of mental health, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it's really good. I feel like you know, you look around somewhere like London, Metropolis, where you've got like pure gym and twenty-four gym, and there's so many facilities that deal with it, and yoga, and there's yoga places everywhere, and mm-hmm. loads of places that deal with uh, you know physical, but I suppose psychological. Uh, there's not a lot of places like we don't really have mind gyms and stuff, even no. though we are much more reliant on our brains. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time as well, I feel like even when we dis- when you consider mental health, for me it's like uh, there's nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some predisposition based on like you know your uh, hormone release or chemical balances within your head or how that's sta- stated. But I also feel like uh, I I to be honest, I really feel like as a social species, the rise in mental health given our current lifestyle for me it's not surprising yeah mm-hmm. whether I, and i feel like it's it's a uh, right now as crazy as it sounds like anyone dealing with some issues of mental health now is probably the healthiest position to be in and it and uh i'm very romantic about these things but i mean if you are still if you're at this point now experiencing in the developed world experiencing issues of depression and stuff like that uh i mean it's almost a way you still know you you have your humanity exactly that yeah it's as crazy as that in the same way that like there was a time where if you saw like 
an insect on your food, you'd be like, oh my God. Now it's like, well, at least I know it's not genetically modified. Like, <laughs> so it's just crazy. Like, oh, well, at least it's real lettuce and stuff. Like, if I see a caterpillar in it. But it's, I just think now mental health is... Uh, I spoke about this with friends before where, you know, now we have a lot more emotion. We have to give off a lot more emotional currency because uh, tragedy is literally at our fingertips. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the time you wouldn't know, really know that much about like global grief outside of yeah. if you read the newspaper. And now you're bombarded with it to the point where, unfortunately, uh, it's sensationalized. Like, you know, um, there's like a whole subgenre of entertainment dedicated towards like, you know, sensationalizing grief and like serial killings and mm. stuff, which I think is fine on the one hand, but yeah, it's just a, a matter of time before it can compound you. Like even when you're saying like not responding to like trolls and comments mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it's just a weird thing where social media hasn't been around that long for us to work out how to rationalize and deal with it. Exactly so we're still trying to work it out, but it's because I would say to people, it's like you do get some horrible vitriol on the internet. However, prior to the internet, like when you went to like a public toilet, you'd like maybe in a cubicle and you're like, I don't even want to be in here. But you see something on the wall and you'd be like, Katie's a slag, call yeah. this number. And you wouldn't really give it that much thought. Mm. You'd just be like, who wants to spend that much time in this toilet to write that down? <laughs> yeah. Right? And you'd see all this kind of horrible stuff or you'd be on a school desk or like a, a park bench and that's where people would put these horrible things like, yeah, Nazis are cool. And you wouldn't really think much about it. It's just now people represent that same sentiment as like eggs or like false avatars and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. for the same thing for shock value and to just you know of course i guess you know just to offend people but yeah. do it an- an- anonymously and uh but the internet makes gives it for weird reason, some reason we give it a bit more credit yeah because it's out there on the internet and uh yeah it's just a it's just a matter of time before that begins to affect people mm-hmm. and yeah some of our exchanges and what kind of images we build when we are dealing with these straw men i think that causes a lot of problems because on the one hand it's like you may have an argument with somebody who is you can't even see their face and you're like we well, are a prick and they might be then they be the most ignorant person but then you you think if i was on a bus and someone started saying yeah. that i wouldn't be like excuse me sir <laughs> i have statistical information that disproves your fact that pigeons are race and you want to you want to have that conversation you'd be like you're a nut i don't yeah. care where's my yeah. stop exactly and so it's just i guess it's it's just trying to apply the uh you know, the rich coping skills we've had uh, socially for years. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to apply them to what's a new society. Yeah. And essentially, this is what, like, if you think of social media as, like, a society, like, we're, now it's like a high school because that's how long it's been around for. Mm-hmm. So it's a teenager now. So the collective consciousness is also teenaged. And I don't know about the rest of you, but, like, I thought high school was shit. <laughs> uh, secondary school is fucking shit because, it's, because what you're doing with secondary school is there's a bunch of people where it's the... Uh, mind of children with the body of adults which is why the stuff you see on the internet is like so carnal and can be so like fucked but people's reaction to things are like teenagers and sometimes they do tend to overreact because we're all hormonal to teenager yeah. which is why for example like say with a teenager you might say to somebody are you gonna wear that you might be cold don't you dare body shame me <laughs> everyone is trying to kill me <laughs> so we're called and we're calling it like a victim thing but like i said it's, it's just an adolescent brain because <laughs> some people are not used to seeing this kind of vitriol because like so you wouldn't give it that yeah. much thought but when anonymously, like, for example, if you were walked by someone in a pub and some ugly drunk guy who you know never hasn't seen a woman for, like, a decade was like, yeah. you need to get new shoes, like, you would laugh and be like, whatever, dude, yeah. like, come on, like, you live with your mum. You, and you'd, <laughs> you'd be able to give that guy a profile straight away, but on the internet, it's like, because it's, it's anonymity, you don't know who this person is. Yeah. So it gives you this weird kind of credence, and, and this is how it's affecting some of us. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just feel like it's, we are still trying to work out how it affects us. And some people are working out how to rationalize it. And, uh, well, it's just because it's all so new. Like, yeah, exactly. Our access to information has, been, has never been greater than it is now. Yeah. And our the threat our amygdala is the threat center of the brain mm-hmm. uh, for since like the 1600s no since like the 1800s mm-hmm. until like 1990s mm-hmm. we're quite like everything's getting safer like our general life was yeah. getting safer we weren't mm-hmm. under threat all the time no. um, and then when we got all of this information at our fingertips every single day yeah. our brain went we haven't evolved quick enough to deal with these amount yeah. of threats on exactly. a day to day basis in fact we've regressed because yeah. now you've got flat earthers now and anti vaxxers and stuff and so mm-hmm. so. It, in while like like I said like while real life is becoming more technologically advanced like mm-hmm. people are because of our ability to rely on it then now we're becoming medieval yeah so because you, you, that's what happens like I said if if you post a picture and you're like felt cute today she's a witch <laughs> she's a witch that's <laughs> <laughs> like and that's what and I feel like that's what that in medieval times like Salem witch trials stuff like that for me that would have been like that's just like a bunch of incels. Yeah, like yeah. killing all it the is. all the articulate like smart women who are in their village. If a woman says something like, "Well, I th- I think that we should have maternity leave." Where? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the Earth revolves around the sun. <laughs> who said that? She. She. Where? Get Karen in the leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's just all it's just, it's and it's the same uh, pitchforks are just online. Mm. Yep. And uh, I just think people just need to just kind of. Learn not to a not to give up your ghost to the machine, mm-hmm. and think that that's more important than living. And also, just not to take what people say on that too seriously. Yeah, absolutely yeah, not. It's, it's just these are like the people that you'd see on the internet and think that they're an issue. If you saw them in real life, you would. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't even give it a second thought. No, it's it's something that we never got taught as well because there was never any lessons of how to use no? this because yeah. we all grew up in a generation where it just happened. Yeah. And we taught ourselves how to use it, so there's never been a guide of what you should or shouldn't do. Yeah. And we never got told how to look after ourselves on there. It's so easy yeah, to let exactly. yourself get so kind of addicted to finding like just something to argue about or something to get pissed off about mm-hmm. because it's such an easy emotion to do. And it's, um, and it's so suggested to you as well. Because, yeah. And this is what I mean about the whole mental health thing is that you are bombarded because, you know, news is always led by if it bleeds, it leads. And mm-hmm. so and people want to have arresting uh, headlines and titles because now because now you can quantify how people respond to stuff. It's again, you're not in a world where we are showing things on the merit of its quality, it's on its quantity. Yep. So even if something is horrible that you don't necessarily want to see, it's like people, because of the spectacle is horrible, they're like, oh, God, God, you need mm-hmm. to see this. Mm-hmm. So you start taking more and more of the stuff and it begins to affect us, which is why it's like, 
given, like I said, how easy it is for us to have access to global tragedy, it is no surprise that the, uh, we are seeing a rise of issues with mental health. Yeah. Because, you know, if you were to, even in the same way that if I was just to believe in, uh, if my perception of people like, you know, in the North or the Northeast was based on what I saw on the internet, then I'd be like, well, I don't even want to go. They're mm-hmm. going to hate me. But mm-hmm. like I said, it's a welcoming audience that are attentive and stuff and listen to what I'm saying. So, you know, it's, even when we talk about like this, this 52-48 divide along Brexit line and stuff like that as well, it's, for me, it's still not representative of this country. Mm-hmm. You know, like even yesterday I was performing in Banbury and again, it's great reception and stuff. And I don't say people don't necessarily love me, but it's this, uh, these archetypes that are being built by media, like, yes, you know, people yeah. live in the Northeast and so they're working class and they're racist and they're resentful and all xenophobic. It's not really the case. No. That's what I mean. I think, and, and I think... They're invented no, threats. That's yeah, all yeah, they are. Exactly, yeah. In the years, like... <clears throat> centuries millennia ago our, we were scared of saber-toothed tigers being eaten and all that yeah. sort of shit so we mm-hmm. developed that fight or flight response sort mm-hmm. of thing but now because we do live in such a safer time generally we get these invented threats or these imaginary yeah. threats it's exactly, not yeah. that I'm going to get eaten by a bear when I walk yeah. out of the house it's am I going to get bombed am I going to get yeah. um, like abused online is one of my nudes going to get leaked and all these yeah. kind of things that we yeah. just were paranoid mind but massively, and, yeah. and the news just keeps chucking those out as well because that's how they get clicks and oh completely stuff. And, it, and it also stems I think from another uh, I guess complex that we all have mentally where it's this uh, it's just that personal responsibility so it's a lot easier for you to be able to have a scapegoat because yep. then you don't have to question yourself and your achievements in life if you can say to yourself and for me I'm not just writing off a sentence it's uh, just people being lazy it's just rationalisation it's mm-hmm. much easier for you to be like I'm not able to realise my industrial dreams or aspirations because there's someone else stopping me from doing it especially if you've been brought up under this under the uh, ideology of capitalism it's a zero sum game so for them to gain I have to lose so I need to be and so some people have to define their existence by being able to outperform somebody else mm-hmm. so which is why you know you, you look at and because you look, if you look at like for example like sexism and gender and stuff it's like for every for everyone saying, oh, well, we're in a democracy, we are in a democracy. Yeah, but then if we're in a democracy and it's by majority rule, there are more women on the planet than men. So by a democracy, then we would be, would patriarchy wouldn't exist, it'd be matriarchal. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. So even then, that doesn't really work. Or it's like, well, first women will do this and then they want them to do this. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, you, we do that already. So it's because guys, well, they start killing men and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but women are being killed by men all the time. And they're going to, you can't do this. And yeah, but these are things that women are coping with on a daily, hourly basis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they seem to be doing fine without killing us all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, it's so, again, it's, it's just, um, and that's something that human beings have never aren't really taught to do anyway. Like I said, yeah. in terms of saying we're not, because it is a part, for me, that is all a part of the, uh, I guess, the journey of having mental health and maintaining mental health is that personal responsibility. Yep, and it's not this thing of like, which people think it's just, just being an individual and fucking self. It's just they're setting these standards for yourself where it's like, I know how these things make me feel. Therefore, I won't visit it on somebody else. And that's not me versing anything like that. It's like, how can you, if you are not prepared to observe an emotion, a positive one like empathy mm-hmm. or sympathy, how can you expect it in other people? Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't recognise it in yourself, then how would you even look for it? Exactly. You know, and that, in the same way that it's like, for example, it's like when someone's like, if you've been with like bad partners your whole life and now you want someone to value you, it's not necessarily that you're a stupid person, but you can't look for something you've never seen because how would you recognise it? Mm-hmm. In the same way that like, if you're someone from an unstable family background or your parents are estranged, 
you're not a bad person and it's not necessarily the fact that you are predisposed to fuck up relationships but it's very hard for you to replicate something you've never seen yeah because that's your primary education that's the first perspective you have of relationships so if you're used to seeing conflict mm -hmm. then that's just you're just going to repeat that and so this is a uh, i think with mental health for me is that there's just a quantum of uh uh humanity you have to observe first within yourself and then that makes you more effective. Yeah. And sometimes that can mean like, you know, confronting some very serious trauma, which a lot of people have to repress. And so, you know, for myself as a comedian, I like trying potentially like dreams and stuff like that as well, because these are like suggestions from your subconscious mind. And even though it's like symbolism and stuff, it's trying to tell you something. So now I could, obviously we do comedy, so I enjoy doing it. It means like I won't have dreams about like feeling unfulfilled at work. But at the same time, it's like um, there are a lot of people that, are marginalized or oppressed or deal with trauma so they become insomniacs so mm -hmm. that has a massive effect on your uh, mental well-being and i feel like a lot of the time with hallucinations and uh multiple personalities and stuff like that, these come from the fact that like if you're not able to deal with these things consciously then subconsciously what happens is your brain begins to create a new personality mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. and so because so for example you, you know marlon right was in mm -hmm. a coma so marlon davis a friend of ours is in a coma and he said that while he was in this coma, he felt like he was in there for years. But he was in basically a dream state where he imagined himself as the leader of a boy band, boy, at least of a boy band. Mm -hmm. And I guess the reason why is because what his subconscious mind did is that now it's created a reality where you're still technically a creative yeah. and you're still at the forefront. So you're still technically like, because stand-up is like, we're all like rock stars trying to be the, the, the lead singer mm -hmm. because it's an individual art form. So now your brain creates this reality that, you know, provides for that need that you have yeah. while, you're being, while your brain's being repaired. So he's like, I'm in this life, but I'm, I still feel relaxed. Because if, and he's like, I don't remember the crash, I don't remember. And if he did, then that trauma is just going to cause more distress psychologically. Mm -hmm. So now your brain's created this rea reality for you to relax in. Yeah. So it's almost like a screensaver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while, exactly that. While it self-repairs. Mm -hmm. I think what happens a lot of the time in people that have issues where it's like paranoid delusions or schizophrenia or multiple, person, multiple personality disorder is that if you're not able to rest or be able to address that trauma, then in your conscious state, your mind will start creating these things, which is why they have these hallucinations and stuff. So it's just like you're dreaming, like you're awake. And so these are things that you're not able to have treated in your conscious mind, subconscious mind. So then they manifest consciously in the same way that like we, everybody else puts up, a, we'll put up one form or persona to deal with life on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But if you're dealing with quite a serious piece of trauma, like you're a victim of sexual or physical abuse, there may not be enough of help for you to deal with that trauma. So again, with people that deal with like multiple personalities, that then I need to create a personality for myself because this personality allows me to defend myself from this historic trauma. Yeah. So this is why people create new personalities for themselves. Like you were saying earlier, because we have those physical gyms everywhere, but there's yeah. no, there's no mind, yes. no, nowhere out there. Unless, unless you're rich and you can afford the therapy, exactly that. you know, and or, or if you're lucky enough, maybe NHS can maybe hook you up with some kind of CBT. But then mm -hmm. this is, but and and again, this is what I'm worried about because. On the one hand, everyone's like, you know, support the troops and I want to be a patriot and I support the idea of people going to war and defending the freedoms of our country. Mm. When these people are returning, though, they are going to be dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder that their salaries won't be able to afford for them to have a therapist. Yeah. So if you are going to allow the NHS to be privatised, these troops you think you care about so much, like, human beings were never, were never predisposed for conflict or war yeah. in the way, like, like seeing violence. We don't react well to it. Even mm. when children, before they understand it, emotionally, they will react negatively when they see violence or conflict. Mm -hmm. So... When people are coming back from these situations, then they're going to need this help. And if it's not provided for them, it's no surprise that we have an enormous glut of, like, the homeless that are former war, war veterans. So I feel like, yeah, it's... Um, 
with yeah, mental health, I, I really feel like it's a. It's not that it's e- it's an easy thing, but I think it's more simple than the uh, excessive medication a study feels for. I think we are a social species, and human beings thrive through their ability to interact and be able to project and interact with each other. Yeah, and I feel like you know. And this is something I worked out early when I was trying to do my own voyage of self-discovery for comedy and trying to do as best as possible is that, you know, when we talk about, like, heaven and hell and these, like, and I guess the way we've tried to, again, explain our journey through, like, religion and stuff, it's like, loneliness is the true hell. Mm-hmm. That is the true hell. Like, if when you're born as a kid, if you don't have interaction, you'll just die. Yep. So we, we can't even perceive that. So, <clears throat> and this is the problem with, like, social media stuff is that when we provide it, it's artificial, essentially... Even though you feel interacting with people, there is actually no connection. So you're just still regressing to being like an amoeba. Yeah. Where you're, and when you're, well, the thing about amoebas is that because a single cell, which means it's massively conscious of itself and self-serving and somewhat to a level conceited. And this is how we behave when we are on social media. It's just me. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. This is what I did. Yeah. Look at me. This is how I live. And you know. So and we be- and that's why we become so sensitive and so conscious to these things. So. Yeah, I just think mental health really and, and the uh, prevalence more recently of issues with mental health is just because, like, there are a lot of ways now to distract us from our humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a big part of uh, education should include that, is Definitely. this knowledge of self and learning to interact with other people yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, investigating more stuff like empathy. And, and it makes it so much easier. Even, like I said, for myself, it's, it could have been very easy for me to be adverse to hearing narratives from whether it's from women and the trans community and stuff. And, it, and not because... I am opposed to these people, but, you know, like I said, it's very easy to become very guarded mm-hmm. and feel like when people are asserting their equality, you interpret that as dominance. Yeah. Because it's just how we're just, edu- it's how we're engineered socially. So it's like, it's much easier if you're like, well, if you just put yourself in this, in those shoes, mm-hmm. how it would feel, it's not it's not very difficult. Yeah, it's that weird mindset. Like, if that person has more of that thing, then I'm going to have less yeah. of I'm my lose, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that, that's not how not this how works. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, if you could have a mind gym... What are the three <laughs> things you would put in it that you know would sort you out? Like you could uh, build your own mind gym. I think it's a... Uh, yeah, just venting, man. I think like you should be able to have friends and stuff like that. So you know you'd have like a spot when you're doing weights and stuff? Yeah. Like you should have like a venting spot like where you have your friend where you can just be like, <laughs> yeah. fuck this and fuck this and this pissed me off and that person listens and then you just yeah. take it in turn. So it's almost like sparring. Yeah. Where you just hold the punch bag so someone can get it out and then you do the same thing. So I, I And I feel like... I mean, with comedy, and again, one of the unique privileges of our job is that, you know, I think so many people in the world don't have the opportunity to stay on, be in a position where everyone's listening to them and they talk about what things move them and, you know, cause them to emote in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the smallest thing is that people are just repressed where it's like, this is how I have to behave because I'm in a relationship. This is how I have to behave because mm-hmm. I'm an employee. This is how I have to behave because I'm a taxpayer. And I think all of these things were all long term these obligations that really have no real basis yeah. I think these these begin to compound uh, the complexes we have whether they are superiority or inferiority so like uh, I was on a train recently and this couple were having an argument about it. the guy was going on holiday and she was like I, you're not allowed to go and I'm like no one should say that to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can say, I, I'm scared about you going. Yeah. I can, you can say, I don't feel good about you going. Mm-hmm. You can even say, I hate the idea you're going. But for you to tell another human being what to do, no. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no social convention that should allow that. Because, I mean, because we all know on the other side, that will always intimate, in, immediately be interpreted as, like, uh, manipulation yeah. and abuse. And it's the same on both sides. But no other human being, especially if you consider that person to be an adult, should be telling somebody else, what they're allowed to do. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't want someone to, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Mm. 
So, you know, and by having that, and like I said, so my ability to and to be liberal comes from the fact that, like, I want liberation for myself. Mm-hmm. more than So it's like I don't want any of my personal human freedoms or human rights, and I don't mean that uh, legally. I just mean my right to breathe the same air as everybody yeah. and to be happy and to have what relationship I want and to mm-hmm. interact with everybody how I want and, you know, have my place in, in the world. By that token, if someone's like, well, we're trans and we want to adopt kids, cool. If the kid's happy with it and no one's getting hurt and it's everything's done with everyone's consent and you cause no harm or loss to any other human being, why would I have a problem with that? Exactly. Yeah. Why would it, why, why would, what reflection does that have on you? Some people are like, well, you know, gay marriage and the other, it, if, it, but it doesn't affect you. Yeah. It's of no reflection yeah. of you whatsoever. So, how does it actually aff- affect your yeah, life? At all, yeah, yeah, at all. Exactly. Like, and, and it's like, I, why would you want to be integral or instrumental in anyone else's misery? Yeah. yeah. That's what you, you really think that two dads talking to a child is more awkward then explaining to a kid why Father Christmas doesn't visit an orphanage. Mm-hmm. You just, it's very easy to work out which one of those things because, again, it's like, as a, if I was a child mm-hmm. and I had abandonment issues because I had no parents, I know how I would feel if it was like, no one wants to take care of you other than the state or these two men or these two women or this trans woman and this mm-hmm. trans woman want to take care of you mm-hmm. and love you unconditionally. Well, then, could give a fuck about social convention because yeah. there are two people in my life that actually strangers that care about me. Exactly. So, yeah, so for me, like, yeah, be, so the one thing would be like yeah, just that ability to vent, and I feel like you know, anger is not necessarily a negative emotion. I think there's always, you know, we have a spectrum, yep. and sometimes anger is necessary for you to appreciate the state of calm that comes with conflict re- resolution. Ooh, yes. yep. So, and I feel like this is another problem with society now is that we're being told that anger and aggression aren't—you can't have these emotions, and obviously, time and place. But this idea, if you start to begin to repress these ideas of anger or expression of explosive anger, then, you know, it's a lot easier for people to take the piss mm-hmm. if you don't react to stuff. Because it's like, you know, because if, if on, on a smaller scale, if, like, for example, Aaron, you're like, you are a politician mm-hmm. or we're in a room and me and Lauren are like taxpayers and you're like, from now on, I'm going to charge you a bit more for water. We're like, what the f-? And we go, like, no, you fucking aren't. Mm-hmm. You'll think twice about trying to get one over on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we just repress it, we're like, okay, I don't really like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get angry. Stiff up a, stiff up a lip. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's much easier for people to take the piss. So yeah. it's like this idea that like anger is always like, it's not a good emotion. I, I kind of, I kind of, yeah, I'm opposed to that in the same way that like, because, you know, again, the British and being elitist and having a stiff upper lip, that's more of a privilege that if you are rich, because most of the time, I guess, you don't have a lifestyle that's going to elicit anger anyway, mm-hmm. if you live a certain life privilege. So you, I understand why you might understand why anger is is not an emotion you recognise because most of the time your needs are met. And also people don't have the access that you do to have like, you know, the kind of therapy or psychological uh, facilities that can take care of that. So sometimes anger is healthy in the same way that like, you know, you have to have pain for you to appreciate joy. Yeah. You know, so it's all for sake of balance. Exactly that. So I guess, yeah, that would uh, be another thing I'd have in a mind gym <laughs> would be, you know, Depending on where you are, like so, because because sometimes if you are feeling some kind of acute depression and you are like we most of us are, we get upset about the state of the world and our fears of how the people we love and how we're gonna be able to survive within it. That's something we should be able to express as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, again, this is why women's emotional intelligence is higher than men. And they've learned this a long time that women like crying together. They that's, that's fine. They enjoy doing that. Oh, I love a good cry. Together, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That, just in this, it's that that emotional catharsis that you are sharing with other people. It yeah. does so much for you. Just for you to know, oh, someone else went through that too. Yeah. Exactly. That level it's okay of to it's, let so, go. it's okay to go. Yeah. yeah. That so that mm-hmm. level is so important for most people that, like I said, as a social species, 
seeing something that reflects who you are does so well for your mental state. Mm-hmm. So even when you, you've talked about stuff like institutional and structural racism and stuff, it's like people don't understand for a woman to see of a certain size, for example, to see another woman of that size on a billboard. In a in our capitalist world where we are driven by these images, mm-hmm. just seeing that will do so does so much for people's mental yep. state. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just uh, being able to have a surroundings of positive imagery of what reflects each of something that reflects you. Yeah, would be, be important part as well. Just everything yeah. is so, yeah. so fucking important. Because yeah, in order for you to like yeah, in order for you to experience humanity, you kind of have to observe it other places as well. Exactly. So yeah, I just think it's a. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a uh, for a lot of stuff with the mind gym. A mind gym for me, the equivalent of a mind gym is just you know spending time with people that you care about. Yep. Yeah. So it wouldn't have to be that complicated. I, I just think there should be a uh, dedicated a culture within our culture. There should be dedication that you know, in the same way that you know you, you should read or exercise, there should be the exercise of being able to see like a friend and go to eat together, yeah. mm-hmm. or have a conversation with a family member, or you know just catch up with a friend, or to speak to somebody you don't speak to that often, and you know. Depending on how precious that person is, but really, you know, sometimes to somebody just to send them a text, like, hey, what's up, man? That's exactly. enough to change somebody's life. And because mm-hmm. when we talk about like the the most extreme parts of depression and like you know pe- when people become suicidal, I feel with people are suicidal, and I think and as a comic, I mean, I'd be lying if you say not considered suicide, but gotten to a point where those feelings make sense. Mm-hmm. And I say this because it's not necessarily the idea of being drastic as like I want to kill myself, but sometimes, especially when you're a creative. Your whole thing is I'm trying to take something intangible like my emotions and the complexes and neuroses that I have and make it into something ta- that you can see and hear so that you can understand where I'm coming from. Sometimes when that process of doing that and taking what's in here and in here in mm. your heart and your head and making that, it can be very distressing, especially if you don't identify with people immediately. Mm. So you, we all get to that point where it's like, I feel so disconnected from the world at large. I just don't feel like I should be here because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm here anyway. Or it's that, like I said, it's online, it's like I feel so like uh, I'm bleeding so much for the world and how bad the state it is in. It's like, oh, I don't know if I need to be here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens a lot of the time with uh, people that suicide. It's not like people, I want to kill myself, but it's this, my level of disconnection has become so much yeah. that it's like I might as well not even be here. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, there's this, it's just a numbness. And so what tends to happen a lot of the time is when people get that near-death experience, just that reminder of their humanity through just the in survival instant kicking in, they get like a new lease of life. Yeah. Totally. And so and it's sometimes yeah, and so the thing is it's just uh, yeah, it's very much important to celebrate life. But life for human beings is your interactions with other human beings and mm-hmm. it is your symbiotic relationship with like other animals and organisms within the world and stuff. And I think the more we try and move away from that, that our mental health will kind of worsen because I said that's technology is new, but humanity and existence has been around for Millions of years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So to think that we can transition straight away, it's not really going to work. This is by yeah. far my favourite episode we've done so far. Yeah. I'll cut that out that the line, obviously. Um, <laughs> I feel like all your mind gym suggestions are so smart, and I was thinking, room of dogs. <laughs> room of dogs. That's what. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, which is a good idea, Like, because animals, they, they've not built up all these complexes and all these things to make their interactions uh, more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's like, because like, you notice lots of different animals or different species can interact and they like rub fur together and stuff yeah. and they get on very well because you know it's just they understand their connection with nature and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like unless you, I am your predator mm-hmm. there's no reason and we can coexist there's no reason for any displays of like you know dominance or violence because if I'm a herbivore and you're a carnivore then we have different diets we're never mm-hmm. going to lose or anything like that so exactly. I think that's what's so nice about like holding a baby 
as well. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you are just so pure and you've done nothing wrong. And oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just holding a little bit of innocence. Yeah. And then it. it shits on you and you're yeah. like, oh, well, exactly, yeah, everything I, hates well, me. Exactly. Well, initially they're like, because they babies only, only care about themselves. Because yeah. that's all they know is themselves. Yeah, exactly. amoebas. So yeah, amoebas. Yeah, yeah. amoebas. Yeah, yeah. So and and the thing is, there's a reason. I, I I feel like there's a reason why humans were like this. Like if you look at like if we have originated from a single celled organism, like that uh, these uh, genetic traits have not left our DNA. It's mm-hmm. just it's just increased. Yeah. So sometimes human beings. So we by that token we have the capacity to behave in some way like all of our predecessors. We can behave insane, insane like humping everything like primates we can be like you know like birds and be like kind of air-brained and you know you have the reptilian brain as well where you're just like cold-blooded and driven by your self-gratification and you can be like an amoeba where it's like you're completely self-conscious of your, yourself and so mm-hmm. it's a uh, i think yeah it's just it's just the more you understand yourselves it, i think it makes interacting a lot easier and i feel like we are getting to a point where i think some of us are starting to realize that the systems that have been telling us who we are aren't really working anymore mm-hmm. in a way. For example, like politically, you'd be told, like, depending on what your leanings were, mm-hmm. if you're like working class and you're labor, and if you're middle class and you're Tory. But now we're seeing now it's like, it's starting to look like no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. And no one's representing us anyway. And that's part of our giving over of our power to people who very clearly, the rationale behind that was like, these people are well versed in these things. This is why we delegate our power and we pay tax for them to do that. We're realizing, oh, I don't think they actually know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And, and that's the thing. It's, and I think it's, again, important for rationale when we're dealing with, like, inferiority complexes based on, like, class and stuff, is that these people, like you said, Lauren, they're babies. They're born like you are. Mm-hmm. They shit in their nappies and stuff as well. They drink milk the same way that you do. It's all these ideas that we are separating other human beings along these lines of, like, class and socioeconomic background and stuff. We create those really ourselves. Mm-hmm. But that person is no different to you. They're not going to be able to survive without oxygen any more than you are. Even if they've built up all of this in their head that money's going to save them, it, they're, they're not. it's not going to. Yeah. In the same way that, like, it's very all well and good to keep putting up house prices in London so that people can't afford to live here. But if you're trying to thrive off a gig economy where you're dependent on services like Uber and Deliveroo and stuff, if people can't afford to live in London, they're not going to come in and work. So at some point, you continuing to suppress a working class. It's going to be a problem for you mm-hmm. in the same way that, like, you know, whether you're rich or super rich, like, you know, you may be people in your family might be born with a disability or you're going to get older and have degenerative disease to deal with. People from your socioeconomic background are not going to be nurses taking care of your relatives and loved ones. Mm-hmm. So this idea that nobody can like uh, you can all survive as individuals is never really going to work. And yeah. for me, that's the equivalent of being like, it's all well and good living in Hollywood. But if you're not going to prepare to work on, like, forest fires, they're going to get to you at some point. Yeah. And, and I think it's the same thing as that, like, we can continue to separate ourselves and act like we're better than people and create these walls where we divide ourselves. But if that is the case, if we're not looking at how we can enrich ourselves together, we're all going to get to that point. You know, if you're like, well, I need to, these people need to be poor so I can stay and have enough money. If there is a system which is continuing to exploit people's money and stuff like that, what's going to stop it from getting to you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, right, we've uh, overrun a little bit. So, mm. would you like to do our last? Uh, I haven't done my game. Oh, oh my game. Game, game, game. I haven't invented a game. <laughs> I haven't invented it. I sort of invented it. Innovated it. Right. So, you know the Would You Rather game? Yes. But it's all anxious scenarios. Cool. So, if you just pick a number between 1 good. and 18. Oh, I'm going to go for uh, 7. 7. Okay. Would you rather be told off in public or have to tell someone off in public? 
Uh, I would rather... It's quite a tough one. But um, I'd rather be told off in public. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'd rather be the one that can apologise for the scene happening rather than making the scene. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm somebody... I'm very... I've, yeah, that's never been a point of pride for me. Like, I've never had a problem saying sorry. No, so a, lot, a lot of people do. A lot of really people. A lot of people really do. Mm-hmm. Elton John says yeah. it's the hardest word. Yeah, yeah it's true. It is. It is. <laughs> so <laughs> proud of that. That was going to be really profound then for a moment. <laughs> it's pretty profound because Elton John don't take no shit. So <laughs> if he feels a way about something, he says it. Yeah. So, but no, it's. Uh, I think sorry for most human beings. It's a uh, people should embrace that, mm. and it's uh, because I guess people are scared of the uh, vulnerability of taking the lower status if they've made an error, mm-hmm. but. If I can give listeners any advice, it's like use it as a litmus test and save yourself some time. If you have made a mistake and you apologize to someone you care about for making a mistake and they continue to berate you even after you've made this mistake, it's easy because then you know that person's a prick because if you're at your lowest ebb, they're still going to kick you when you're mm-hmm. down. Whereas myself, like I've had heat com- uh, conversations or arguments with friends or family and stuff. Once you say sorry or you're sad, I leave it then because yeah. now very clearly my point is made. Yeah. So I don't, I don't need to stand down and take a higher status or a pretentious state like I'm better than you. None of my, you've seen my point and you've acknowledged it. Nothing more needs to be said. I feel like a lot of people are afraid of that vulnerability of acknowledging that they're wrong because they feel they take a lower status and someone can take advantage of that. Yeah. But that's more of a reflection of you and also a reflection of that person. Mm-hmm. If if you've conceded to them and they still feel insecure enough that they have to remind you, then you probably it's easy for you to know that's not someone you need to be around anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Marvellous. And our uh, last question that we always finish with is uh, if you could go back and give your younger self any advice about mental health or living without misery, what would it be? Uh, it would be to just listen to yourself and, you know, to everyone, if your actions, and you know your actions, you know yourself, if you are not intending to cause any harm or loss to anybody else or anything else, then you live your life however you choose. That That's my advice to anyone. Just be yourself, Perfect. live however you want to live. I mean, you have the opportunity now to through the internet and stuff to meet people like-minded people mm-hmm. but uh however you want to live like you do that it's, you're not going to hurt anybody there's enough people like doing this doing regular shit there's enough people doing basic shit or doing something different to what you're doing so my advice like yeah my my mental health became at its best point when i basically was just honest about who i was with myself so my Beautiful. advice would be just be, a, be yourself <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much my pleasure thank you, thank you for having me we hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day to day life whatever situation you're in you're not by yourself we can share our stories share our experiences we can help each other know that things do get better well that was episode 21 thank you to Dane uh, really hope you enjoyed that one I, I, I certainly did uh, thank you very much to Lauren. Uh, thank you to Dave and Calm for helping us make this little uh, podcast. Um, and thanks to you, as always. I mean, it'd be just weird if you weren't listening to it. Or if you're not listening to it, I'm just talking to myself and uh, spending most of my life uploading this onto the internet for no one to hear. That's sad. Isn't it? That's quite sad. Um, if you are here and you are listening to this, please uh, rate, review, like, subscribe, all of that jazz. Uh, the more people that listen, the more money goes to calm. We all donate and we can all feel smug about it and live our lives in a happy, uh, well, as happy as people that listen to a mental health podcast can be on a day-to-day basis, I guess. Um, that's probably enough from me. I should stop talking. I mean, that's a general rule for thumb. Rule for thumb. Rule of thumbs. How many thumbs? Too many thumbs. 
Rule of thumb for life. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye 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 bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.